It was great. Uh, so Jenna's still there. She's like, I'll find a ride home. You leave. Uh, and our kids are still with friends. Um, so it's 2018. It's cold in here. Last time I looked, it was up to 56 in this room. The heat got turned off. But it's on. Uh, you're all heating it up. Uh, so can I have um, the first slide that I have? Next one. Next one. So I wrote this end of the year email that went out, and it said, as 2017 wraps up and we look to the ways God is inviting us to be the church together and serve others together, dot, dot, dot. So uh, wraps is obviously spelled incorrectly. My wife, who was a grammar and English teacher, let me know as soon as the email went out, and I uh, shrunk down and knew I should have had her proofread at first. I did send it to two elders who didn't get back to me. Uh, <clears throat> uh, However, what my wife texted me was, you're going to have to come up with a rap for the church. And since she is not here to roll her eyes at me as I do it, and my kids aren't here to make fun of me later, I did it. I'm not a rapper. I am from Michigan. <laughs> And I'm white. <laughs> so, here we go. Dear Thank you. Yeah, there's a little beat going. Dear Bay Marin, you feel like my kin. So I came up with this rhyme to show I know you're sublime. We are a people who live into our values to abide, belong, create, and demonstrate. Even when you walk in late. It's all great. I still think you're all first rate, especially when I see you at our annual retreat. That experience just can't be beat. So let's sing these songs and recognize everyone belongs as we long for a new day and a new way, the way of hope and healing. Gosh, I always say it that way. I wrote it differently. The way of healing and hope. When tempted to despair, we say, nope. When there's fire, we bring the rain. In Jesus' name, this ain't no game, because the love in the air is thicker than the smoke. This is no joke. You care for the broken, the weak, and the poor. You do it out of love, not to be adored, because you know we serve a God who doesn't keep score. So may you continue to let Christ's love shine, and all will be well, and all will be fine. Everywhere we look, we will see the divine. And as we go from here to there and there to here, perhaps you'll join me for a beer. We'll raise a glass and give a cheer. Or we'll meet around this table, the bread and the cup are always able to once again remind us of grace and experience the gift face to face. Dear Bay Marin, you feel like my kin, let's jump into 2018 and go for the win. And, uh... <laughs> Stop it! Oh my goodness! Come on! <laughs> can, can I just point something out? I don't think I've ever gotten applause for a sermon before. That was a sermon. Oh man. And that is probably the last time I'll ever do that. But my wife, you know. Got to work on my spelling. Thank you, Todd. Uh, 
We're in year one of a three-year series called Three Years with Jesus, and we're in the midst, uh, actually this is the last of the mini-series following Jesus. We've been looking at texts that have to do with Jesus' disciples, and uh, today's text, Mary and Martha, two of Jesus' disciples, is the text we're looking at. So uh, I want to invite you, if you want to follow along, to turn to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start in verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now, uh, first you need to realize, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, so uh, 12 disciples probably, with Jesus. This means 13 people have just arrived at this small village home. Uh, at least 13, probably. That's a, that's a lot of people to host in a small village home, uh, a lot of people to feed. Uh, and so just imagine yourself in this space for a moment uh, with Martha, with Mary. Three, 13 people have just descended on your home have just arrived, walked in the doors, uh, and they're probably hungry. And so Martha, verse 39, had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Now, typically in first century culture, a rabbi had only male disciples, and the posture of a disciple is to sit at the feet of the rabbi. And here we see Mary taking the posture of a disciple sitting at the feet of Jesus. So Mary is breaking gender boundaries, and Jesus is affirming that she's breaking those gender boundaries by allowing her to sit at his feet and listen to him talk, listen to his teachings. In verse 40, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now, Mary's right there. And she talks to Jesus about Mary. Uh, now, typically in our setting, because Jesus isn't physically here with us, that, you know, we should talk to Jesus about people who are upsetting us. Uh, but Jesus was physically there, and Mary uh, was physically there, and with Mary right there, she says, tell her to help me, uh, rather than actually going to Mary and saying, hey, uh, would you mind helping me? Uh, so she goes to Jesus rather than to Mary and uh, presumes that Jesus should tell Mary to help her. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Uh, I want to focus on a few words here this morning. The first is distracted. Um, Martha was distracted, the text tells us. Uh, this word means to draw different ways at the same time. You ever feel like that? Uh, we live in a very distracted culture, don't we? We feel drawn 
different ways at the same time. We're distracted by our devices, we're distracted by our schedule, we're distracted by work, we're distracted by family, we're distracted by relationships, we're distracted. We lead largely distracted lives. It's to be drawn in different ways at the same time. Uh, but this distraction, uh, this ec these external distractions, I, I would argue, have to do with an internal disposition. It it's not that all these things are the problem. It, there's something within us that causes us to be distracted. There's something within us that we give permission to, to distract us. And, and Jesus puts language to that when he says, you are worried and upset about many things. Uh, the word worried means to be anxious, troubled, literally divided, upset, troubled, it is related to noise, it's to disturb the mind. And so whereas distracted means to be divided externally, worried means to be divided internally. And, and so Jesus is helping Martha see, listen, there is something going on inside you that is causing you to be distracted. And that's causing you to be so upset about what is going on. Uh, so Here's uh, an observation for me about this text. Jesus does not criticize Martha for what she is doing. Rather, he points out her internal disposition while she is doing it. It's not like Jesus is saying, Mary has chosen the better thing by sitting at my feet, and you've chosen something poor by serving. He says, you've chosen to allow something within you to take control, rather than to be fully present in that which you are doing. Uh, next slide. Uh, I think the one thing is to be fully present. Jesus says one, only one thing matters, and Mary has chosen it. Mary is fully present to Jesus in the moment fully present to herself and what's going on around her, whereas Martha is distracted. Uh, here's this term, next slide, active contemplation, that uh, it's important to spend time in silence, solitude, uh, abiding union with God in order to live the active life. So that when we are going about our activities, we do so without worry, without being upset, without distraction. It, it, Jesus believes, and so we must believe, that it must be possible to do our activities fully present. Aware of God within us, aware of the divine image in front of us as we meet with others. That, that when we go about our tasks and when we engage with others, it is actually possible to be fully present and not distracted by all the external things going on around us. Uh, sound possible? Sounds hard, doesn't it? Uh, Jesus teaches us there's a way to do this. Um, 
Next slide, this observation. Uh, the greatest threat to us living into who we were created to be is not external but internal. The greatest obstacle to our true self is our self or our false self. Uh, they're, they're, that which, the, the, uh, the voices, the internal voices that we believe about ourselves that simply aren't true, aren't true to who God created us to be, when we believe those voices, I'm not good enough, I'm not doing enough, they're not doing enough, uh, when we're distracted by all these things, we're not going to live into the person God created us to be. Uh, I think there are so many things we could talk about that we're distracted by. I, I want to talk about a few that I think relate to the story that maybe Martha is distracted by. And one, the first is, of course, distracted by activity. So let's talk about the external first um, and then get to the more internal stuff. Uh, anyone ever get distracted by your schedule, by activity? Uh, I would think all of us probably. Um, and so it is so easy to get distracted by all the things that need to get done. Uh, and we find ourselves at times recognizing that our capacity is to say yes to two or three things and do them really well. And we find ourselves saying yes to five, six, seven, eight, nine things. And we get into and we're, we're starting to do number seven and number eight, and we realize this simply is not sustainable. This just isn't sustainable. Uh, when we are living hectic lives, going from one thing to the next, and realizing that we are no longer centered, uh, we are no longer spending time in quiet and taking space, and just breathing. When we no longer uh, have or feel like we have the space to be alone with God so that we can enter into the activity of our day centered and fully present, uh, something has gone wrong. Uh, when you find yourself rolling your eyes at your schedule, Something's amiss. It's time to reevaluate what you've said yes to and where the healthy boundaries are for you around saying yes and saying no. Because there are so many good things out there, aren't there? So many good things out there for our kids, so many good things out there for us, so many good things out there for the world to say yes to and make a difference. But if we say yes to all the good things, we're going to do them all quite poorly. And when we take the space to be alone with God, or alone in a communal discernment setting, or both, then we begin to see the fog clear and we can discern within ourselves and with those closest to us, oh yeah, that is a yes. I have to do that. I was made for that. And I was made for that. 
and that, oh man, that's so good, and it looks so great, and I would love to be a part of it, and I, just, I have to say no. I have to say no to that one. Because if I say yes to that one, then these things that I'm made for, that I was created for, that I'm not going to live into them the way God's inviting me to live into them. I'm not going to live into them the way I was created to live into them. And frankly, I'm not going to live into them with joy. The, the things I was made to do suddenly have become a burden and another thing, and I'm no longer finding the joy in it. Distracted by activity. Uh, next, distracted by when. When I get out of the house. Yeah, I was, I was your age, kids. When I get out, when I go to college, then. When I get married, when I have kids, when I finish that dissertation. I've been ABD for three years. I don't know if I'll ever finish it. I got to be okay with that. When. When. When I get that next job. When I make this amount of money, then. When my 40K finally gets to here, then I can retire. When I retire, oh man. When I retire. When we have grandkids. When, when the, distracted by when. Uh, when we live in a place where we can look back and find joy in things in the past, and we're always looking ahead to when, we're not fully present in the now. Uh, I believe Jesus invites us to release being distracted by when and to say yes to the now and be fully present right here, right now, to all God has for us in the moment. Uh, for Martha... I wonder if this is uh, the next one, if this is something distracted by jealousy and resentment or you feel like you're owed. Um, if you're making a list and checking it twice, thinking about who's naughty or nice in your life, uh, something's gone wrong. You've no longer found the joy in the work. You, you no longer uh, are experiencing the joy that God has created you for. Instead, you're saying, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. What have you done? Um, I, I think it's really easy to, uh, to feel the way Martha does. If you've ever been on a team or... Uh, a group project where you feel like you're the one doing most of the work, uh, it's really easy to feel like Martha. Like, what, what are you doing? What, what's going on with you? And, and, the, and you've lost the joy in the moment and in the work and in the project uh, and that which you've been invited into. Uh, here's a thought. When the goodness, joy, and peace, and what appears to be the success of others is not inspiring, but makes you angry, jealous, or resentful, something is wrong. When you look at others, 
and you feel that twinge of jealousy, it's going to steal your joy. Uh, when you look at others and you resent them, or what appears to be their success, uh, it's going to steal your joy. Uh, when you look at others who are doing really good things, really beautiful things, really maybe successful things, if it's not inspiring and you can't look at them and say, God bless you, may you continue to live into who you were created to be. If instead, it something stirs in you that has that tinge of anger or resentment, something has gone wrong. Uh, next slide. When there's jealousy or resentment, it becomes about you rather than something bigger than yourself. If we lose that thing within us that just knows deep in our bones, there's something bigger than me. The world is about something so much bigger than me. What God is up to in the world, I have the privilege to participate in, to be a part of it. And God has created me and designed me and shaped me and formed me in such a way that I get to be a part of it. If we lose that sense then we're all missing out on who you're supposed to be. See, this doesn't just affect you if you lose the sense of it being something bigger than yourself. It affects everyone around you because we're missing out on who you were created to be when you're not living into who you were created to be and rather allowing the resentment, the jealousy, the anger, whatever, to creep in. The, the, the you owe me. Next slide. Uh, I am due. People owe me. So if we, if we have that attitude, like, it, I'm due. Like, I deserve some attention here. I deserve thanks. A little appreciation, please, because uh, look at what I've done. And frankly, I'm owed. Uh, th this is... I think this is some of what Martha is wrestling with. She is running around trying to prepare food for at least 13 additional people. And her sister is just sitting there. Um, have you ever hosted a dinner party and uh, your spouse or partner is just sitting around talking to everyone? And you're the one like running around making everything happen? And you're like, you can, you can feel it, right? Um, next slide. I want to talk a little bit about energy, that you can feel it. Uh, have you ever been around someone who wants to make sure you know how much they've been doing? I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Ugh. And you, you can just feel the negative energy. You can feel the resentment. I mean, it's just palpable. Uh, rather than feeling the joy, like, oh, I, ju I just got to do this. And it brought me joy because I was able to serve so-and-so. And I can't believe that I, I get to do that. 
that I have the capabilities, the, the opportunity, the privilege uh, to serve in that way. It's a, it's a very different feel, isn't it? When, when you're around someone who just uh, has so much anxious energy in them and someone who is finding so much joy in what they're doing. Uh, it's a very different feel. All right, another thought. When the active life and the contemplative life come together, then you can bless others rather than curse them. You can rejoice in who others are created to be rather than resent them. You can love others rather than have anger in your heart toward them. It will lead to a spirit of gratitude rather than grumbling. So I, I want to talk a little bit about gratitude. Um, because I, I think gratitude, when gratitude enters and we cultivate gratitude within us more and more, that, that energy totally changes, our, our whole being changes. When, when we have gratitude to God and to others, everything changes. When we begin to live a life of gratitude. I wonder what it would look like to cultivate a daily practice of gratitude for ourselves. Uh, not just once a year on Thanksgiving, we throw a question out at the table, what, what are you thankful for this year? That's great, great practice. I, I love it when people do that and they share together, but what if it was a daily practice? What, what are you grateful for today? Let's talk about that. How are you Grateful. How is God cultivating gratefulness within you? Let's uh, skip a slide and go down to the next one. I want to uh, share with you um, a quote from Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence uh, was a Christian mystic. He worked in a kitchen. He was a monk, and he worked in a kitchen. He cleaned pots, he cleaned floors, he cleaned bathrooms, and he wrote this fabulous book called... Uh, Practicing the presence, thank you. Uh, practicing the presence. What does it look like to practice the presence of Christ in every moment of every day, even when you're, you're washing pots and pans? He says, our sanctification does not depend upon changing our works, but in doing that for God's sake, which we commonly do for our own. That it was lamentable to see how many people mistook the means for the end, addicting themselves to certain works, which they performed very imperfectly, by reason of their human or selfish regards. We must know before we can love. In order to know God, we must often think of him. And when we come to love him, we shall then also think of him often. For our heart will be with our treasure. We ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. Brother Lawrence is getting at what, what's the motive behind which you engage the active life? Is it love? Or are you driven by fear and anxiety and uh, need for attention and uh, I'm owed? Uh, Brother Lawrence is inviting us into this way of Jesus to be motivated by love and to do for God and others out of a heart and spirit of love. Um, 
So this uh, story in, in Luke 10 takes place sometime before John chapter 12. And I want to look briefly at John chapter 12. In John 11, uh, the brother of Mary and Martha has died, Lazarus. Uh, Jesus comes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And then he sticks around and hangs out. In John 12, it says six days before the Passover. So this is shortly before Jesus' death now. Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. And what happens? Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Um, there's nothing, as we continue to read this story, there's uh, no indication that Martha is upset that Mary is at Jesus' feet. I believe something has internally changed within Martha. She realized, I'm made for this. I get to serve. I get to prepare this meal, and I can be fully present while I do it. She's not resentful. She's not angry. She's just doing that which she was created to do. Something shifted in Martha. Where we can see the same scene we saw some time ago in Luke 10. Martha running around serving, Mary at Jesus' feet. Only Martha has changed. Her heart has been transformed. She has woken up to who she was created to be. And now she's okay with it. Because she realizes she was made for something different than Mary was made for. Now, obviously, we don't get to know their stories deeply. I'm sure Martha spent plenty of time in prayer, and I'm sure Mary spent plenty of time doing things. Uh, But they were wired differently, weren't they? And I think this is really important for us to grasp. We are all wired differently. We all have a unique divine imprint placed on us from the beginning of time. We all have different personalities, different gift sets. And when we look at others and their gift set isn't like ours, and and we get upset about that because we want them to do something that we think they should be doing because I'm doing it, something's gone wrong. When we can look at others and say, oh my goodness, they are so different than me, and that's such a beautiful thing. Look at the way God wired them. Isn't that beautiful? Now, granted, we're we're all broken. We all mess up. We all do plenty of things that we shouldn't, and we all don't do plenty of things that we should. Uh, But that's not the point I'm trying to get after today. Uh, What I hope you walk away from today is what what does it look like for me to live into that which I was created for and to bless and affirm others 
in the way God wired them? Can we grow and ask God to help us grow in that capacity a little more today? God, I long to live into that which you created me for. Free me from distractions externally and internally. And allow me to live from a centered place today. Uh, This morning when we come and we take the bread and dip it in the cup, I want to invite you to think about this. How, how are you being invited into the way of being more fully present? What might the regular practice of gratitude look like for you? Uh, Jesus, when he went all the way to the cross, the, begin, uh, the end of Luke 9, uh, several verses before we got to our passage this morning, end of Luke 9, It says, Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem, and he was set on it. Jesus knew why he was there. Jesus knew why he came among us, and he set his face toward Jerusalem. He knew, and he was fully present to it. And yet, before he got to the cross, in every moment, he was still fully present everyone he encountered, and fully present to his father, fully present to himself, his internal disposition was so present and pure and centered, and he allowed it to take him where he knew he needed to go, even though he didn't want to do it, and that was the cross. Took him to the cross. And when we come and take the bread and cup, we remember that which Jesus did on our behalf. He lived this beautiful life and taught us how to live, and he died on a Roman execution stake, and yet he conquered death and rose again. Uh, This morning, I invite you to come and take the bread, dip it in the cup, and just simply ask Jesus, how are you inviting me to be more fully present to myself, to understand who I was created to be, and to you, God, and to others around me. God, thank you for this story. God, we live in a culture that is often so dominated by our schedules, by our busyness. God, give us uh, hearts of gratitude. Give us hearts that are centered on you. Impress on us by your spirit to take the space we know we so desperately need to be fully present to you, fully present to ourselves, in order to be fully present to those you have entrusted us to be in relationship with. God, as we take the bread and dip it in the cup, fill us once again with your love, with your presence. May that overflow to the world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.